Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Okay, uh, we're going to jump right into this one. Um, we're talking about Cape Fear, which is a remake of a 1962 film starring Gregory Peck and I almost said Nick Nolte, that's not correct. That wouldn't even be close to accurate. Uh, Robert Mitchum. Basically the story is about an ex-con who has a grudge against a lawyer and goes after his family basically the story in both films this one uh marty's telling of it in from 92 91 91 is uh is a little bit more nuanced than that but uh basically that's the story uh in this version we have nick nolte playing the lawyer bob de niro playing the ex-con um this is an interesting film because this again was an attempt by marty to make uh, a genre film, a studio film, a commercial endeavor, uh, however you want to define it. And originally this was a project written for Steven Spielberg by Wesley Strick. And when Bobby when 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 Bob De Niro signed on, he kept saying, I'd really like Marty to do this. I think he could do a good job with this. And so Steven being one of Marty's friends said, Yeah, sure, I'll produce it. Marty can direct it. That's fine, no problem. And they kept bringing it to Marty. Three times they bring it to Marty. Marty doesn't want it. He doesn't like the script. Hates the script. Finally, they do, they do a big read-through in New York while Marty's working on Goodfellas. And he says, "I, guys, I just don't want to do this. I don't like the script. And Steven says, well, you, you know, you could rewrite it. Marty's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. So, <laughs> so once realizing, like, oh, yeah, I guess I could just rewrite the script, um, he takes on the project uh, goes away with, with Wesley Strick and they begin rewriting it. And the first thing Marty does is takes out everything that that was basically put in there by Wesley Strick for Spielberg. The, the two most notable things are taking out the idea of this being a wholesome, happy family, kind of like in the original 60s film. You know, he wants there to be be, be some tensions there. He wants there, them to not be perfect so that there's there's drama going on between the three members of the family, the father, the mother, the father, the mother, and the daughter, that Bobby's character, Max Katie, can play on, you know, as he's kind of terrorizing them. He can, you know, he can he can find those cracks in the family and kind of open them up. And then uh, the other big notable thing that he takes out is a scene that was really took its cues from the first film. There's a scene where where Robert Mitchum, who plays the ex-con, Max Katie. Uh, you know, kind of traps the daughter at her school um, and sort of chases her a little bit without really chasing her. It really kind of freaks her out. And so there was this big chase scene that, as Marty says, Spielberg would have done wonderfully and Marty would have loved to see it, but that's not really how he does things. That's that's not his style. He he says, look, I you know, I wouldn't do a very good job of it and I'd be bored by the process, so let's find another way to do that. And so instead he puts in a dialogue scene. <laughs> a, a real quiet moment just between Max Cady and the daughter, played by Juliette Lewis. Um, so, so there's this real quiet scene with Bobby and Juliet in, a, in an empty theater at the school, empty theater space. And where, you know, where, where, where the Max, where, where Bobby's character is getting her her to fall for him a little bit, 
start to plant some seeds of doubt about her parents and about her trust in them and about whether or not they really want what's best for her and those sorts of things. It really becomes a fascinating scene, a really unnerving and un- uh, unsettling scene for sure. But yeah, Marty basically takes out all the all the big commercial things that Spielberg, you know, would have would have done well at. He says, and replaces them with things that he's interested in. Because the thing is, Marty again wanted to see if he could do a genre film. He wanted to force himself to work within a convention, but also see if there's something he could bring to it. It was his attempt to make a movie in the main in the mainstream, and to his credit, it did well. It made the most money out of any movie he'd made even for the next decade. But this isn't the first time Marty's done this. He did this with Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and he did it with New York, New York, and he did it with The Color of Money. So basically every decade he's needed at least one movie. Well, I mean, even he did he did two of them in the 70s. You know, it, it, because he has a deep love and respect for the old studio system and really wanted to try to do that. He wanted to try to be that filmmaker at least from time to time. The thing is, that's just not that's just not how Marty is. He's he's an independent. He really is. Even though he's never really worked as an independent for a long, long time, he's an independent. You know, so like even though Marty started with the idea of doing this as a as an entertainment film, by the end of the movie he'd worked in stuff he thought was interesting about like the dissolution of a family unit and all these religious um, you know, ideas and metaphors and things you know, things playing off of each other and is sort of, you know, the Max Cady character becomes this sort of Southern Baptist preacher taken to the, the absolute nightmare of that. It, but but there's a real value to Marty staying Marty and Marty playing within himself. We talked about thinking outside the box, but that's still thinking within the Marty, which is a confusing way to put that. What I'm trying to say is, is last class session, we talked a lot about the idea of, of being creative. And that's great, but there's also value to staying within yourself. There's, there's value to telling a story that you're interested in, trying to do something that, that, that you know you can do well and being creative within that. See, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. This is a minute where you're not going to be learning filmmaking from the masters. You're going to be learning filmmaker from the amateurs. Um, I'm of the opinion that creative people need boundaries. You have to be able to set yourself within within limits because otherwise everything is possible and that becomes really crippling really quickly. You need to be able to set yourself within within certain guidelines, whatever that is. And the first guidelines, the, the broadest guidelines you need to listen to is yourself. Now, I'm not the first person to come up with the guidelines idea. I, I, I first read that in a book by uh, Robert McKee, one of the great writers on writing. Um, he, he, he read this, phenom- this phenomenal book called Story that I think everyone should read who's even remotely interested in storytelling. Um, but, the, <laughs> sorry. Um, but the first person you need or the, the first set of boundaries is yourself. You need to stay within what you're comfortable in. You need to stay... Um, you know, you need to do what you know. And Marty, Marty, you know, Marty changes changes the family in this story because because he, he doesn't know how to tell a story about a wholesome family. He thinks that's boring. 
you know, but he says Steven Spielberg, who really believes in that idea, um, you know, could tell that story much easier than, than, than Marty could, you know, or Marty's like, well, I love watching the big chase scene, but I don't know how to do that. And I'd be bored by it. So you know, let's put in something that I think would be interesting. And that was the only day on set that supposedly you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, everybody was so sucked into what was going on between the actors on the set and everything. Here's another quote by Marty. He says, I don't want to make movies anymore like Cape Fear that stick to a conventional plot. I don't like working for someone else. Doing someone else's movie is a hard job, but Cape Fear turned out to make the most money, so it gave me Age of Innocence. And just a side note, we'll talk about that in a, uh, a couple weeks. Um, he says, I was talking to Brian De Palma over the holidays, and he said, do you find you're getting a little bored with the entire process? Sometimes, yeah. And that's why each project has to be special for me. See, here's the thing. Marty came up under Haig Manoogian, who was a professor at NYU, who I'm sure I've told you this before, but his thing was the student came to him and said, I want to direct. The first thing he asked him is, where's your script? The student said, I don't have a script. He says, go write a script and come back to me when you have one. Because for Haig, filmmaking needed to be a personal expression. That was, that was what was important, was that was that it was a way for the students to express something personally. And if you wanted to direct, you would better come with a story for that. And Marty really took to that, and I think that was important for Marty, but I don't know that that's important for everyone. Hitch certainly didn't feel that, that, that he needed to personally express anything in the movie. Marty does. And, and that's one of the reasons that, that I kind of wanted to talk about Talk about different directors, and one of the reasons I started this podcast was so that I would have a chance to to look at different filmmakers and see what they did differently than others, and and, and understand how they thought about cinema, and be able to you know utilize the things that made sense to me, and then shirk off the things that didn't, and leave those for people that they did make sense for. It's one of the reasons I wanted to share this with everybody, so that or anybody who would listen at least, so that you know they they might have some 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 kind of a guidance, not from me, but from the filmmakers who were open enough to talk about their processes. And if we want to talk about filmmaking as an art, then art is a personal expression. And if it's a personal expression, you need to have something to express and you need to have a way to do that. And for Marty, that's very important. So for him, the idea of, well, as he says, a genre film, I always think I can make one and then I always work against its conventions. Because he's not really working within the genre, he's always working within himself. And, and I think there's something, there's something to be said for that, um, you know, because sometimes the things you have to say can connect with other people. Um, I know Taxi Driver did that, um, for better or for worse. Uh, Taxi Driver connected with a lot of people who were feeling a lot of the same anger with the world at that time. I don't think, I don't know that Cape Fear's ever, ever talked, you know, ever spoken to anybody or Goodfellas or, or anything like that, but... But if nothing else, it helps Marty work through, you know, some issues. And along the way, you know, he gets paid. He gets some other people paid. And, and hopefully the movie makes money, you know. But if, if this is something you want to do because you need an avenue to express yourself, then do just that. Don't just go make something for fun. Go, go express yourself. Find a way to do that. And if you want to do this because you think it's a cool way to make a living or you want to do this because because uh, it seems fun and because you don't want a desk job, then do that too. The reasons behind it should only be important to you. 
in a sense. I don't think the audience particularly cares. And and the people that hire you shouldn't shouldn't necessarily care either. But if you're going to go make a film, go make a film for whatever reason. <sighs> yeah, that's basically all I have uh, this episode. Uh, again, I want to thank you for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. Uh, there's a Facebook page, Hitchcock University is the name of it. And then there's hitch underscore you as in university. That's the Twitter handle. Um, in a couple of weeks, like I said, we'll talk about Age of Innocence. And then we'll talk about Casino, which I'm looking forward to. And then we will talk about Kundun. I think that's how you pronounce it. I guess I'll find out when I get there. A story about the 14th Dalai Lama. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's all we have for uh, this class session. Tune in in a couple weeks. We'll talk about Age of Innocence. Uh, thank you again for listening.